I think, you know, sometimes you would possibly say that I do free writing as a podcaster. Um, Shannon, you know, is our editor. And uh, many an hour she's toiled to cut down what I've said and form it into cohesive sentences. It's been very... I'm very grateful. I love it because it's true. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. What a great day it is to be listening to the Pleasure of the Text podcast. A warm welcome from your host. We are Shannon Gareth. Why is it a great day and why are we talking about the things that we have learned is because we've actually been podcasting The Pleasure of the Text for a full year now. So we have some lessons to impart upon the audience and lessons that we should still probably learn as well ourselves. But um, yeah, it's collaborative space here and we're going to be talking about all the things we have learned, the mistakes we've made, the triumphs and the achievements. Yes, happy happy anniversary, Shannon. It's been it's been a good year, hasn't it? We've done thirty something episodes. Thirty six, I think, and we have removed one, um, so technically thirty five. Okay, okay. And oh, new venue. Uh, you move around a lot, but I don't. Uh, so this this would be quite alarming, I imagine, the absence of books. And all their sonic properties. Yeah, I, I do feel like I'm in a some sort of venerated chamber, uh, and I suppose I am actually. I'm in the music room. You can't go wrong in the music room. If things start to go bad, I'll pick up a ukulele and serenade our listeners, and we'll be all right. You're very artistically talented, Gareth. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, yes. So one year. It's very thrilling. And and so what have you learned, Shannon? What would you say you've learned this year of podcasting? Okay. Well, the way that we kind of designed today was we're going to talk about three topics each, so six topics, and we also wanted to make it related to how it streamlines into writing. How has creating the podcast, what are the lessons that we've taken on in terms of our writing as well? And the first one I suppose I want to talk about, and a lot of people are talking about at the moment, is artificial intelligence, so AI. And the way AI has helped me with the podcast is I do show notes at the end of the podcast. And so what I do when I'm editing, I'll write down all the people that we talk about, the authors, what books uh, we've mentioned. I'll plug that straight into chat GPT. And, it, and I'll give it a small prompt and say, hey, um, you know, tell me everything about uh, this author. Give me a summary of any awards that they've won, any um, contradictions that they had in their life, uh, something interesting, a fun fact that people don't normally know. And ChatGPT will spit me out this amazing paragraph. It still isn't the way that I like it. So then I can go back and be like, hey, I wrote this. Can you frame it like that? Uh, So it's a pretty amazing tool. Highly recommend that people jump on the AI bandwagon. And how I've used that for writing as well, I've actually been working on a short novella called Grave Hearts. 
Um, and it's about a lady who digs up graves and extracts human hearts. And so I'll jump on chat GPT and be like, okay, what tools would a surgeon use to cut open the ribs and extract a human heart? And it's incredibly useful. It even tells you how long uh, you would have to complete a degree to be able to do that, to become a heart surgeon. So AI, big thumbs up from me. Uh, I don't know. I think recently didn't um, it take all Margaret Atwood's work and republish another book. Gareth, do you know that story? Oh, I didn't hear about that. I think a lot of people are up in arms about AI. Well, yeah, I know there's the first um, AI novel was published a couple of weeks back. And what was it called? Oh, it was actually called, I think, The Death of an Author. Yeah. No, I think it was The Death of an Author or The Death of the Author, um, which is a lovely little uh, shout out to Roland Barthes, who we love on the pleasure of the text. Um, and, and yeah, that was written by this fellow in collaboration with three chatbots. So they all work together uh, because, you know, writing is not a lonely pursuit. And uh, this guy and his three chatbots wrote this book. I think, I think basically they wrote bits and he went yay or nay, a little bit like James Patterson. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think of this. Um, well, one of the interesting things actually about chatbots and AI is that once the information goes in, you don't know where it's going to spit out. And so potentially chatbots can pick up information spat out by other chatbots. This is my understanding anyway. Uh, and so in a sense, whilst they're farming potentially accurate and useful uh, data now, if people put in nonsense, it's hard to control where that nonsense goes and the chatbots kind of uh, basically begin to regurgitate it back and backwards and forwards. And that would be an interesting uh, thing because it would, it would democratise information to the point where nothing would necessarily be true. Which, which is in a, in a way a reflection of our current times, I think. Uh, so, yeah, massive echo chamber. Um, so what I would take from that is, uh, you know, you want to always step outside your echo chamber. And I think that would probably lead rather neatly into uh, reading books and watching podcasts, which was the first one that I wanted to mention. Obviously, you know, with, with the chat GPT, you know, you want to be careful. Um, at the moment, I would think it is relatively safe to look at other sources online, but more and more of those sources are being written by AI. And so essentially you do get this echo chamber effect. So I think, you know, read books um, because there's only been one published thus far by artificial intelligence. So I think it would be a good time to read books. I think chat... Chat GPT, I found very helpful. It's like having a really smart friend. Um, and I do wonder if in 20 years it'll be like having a really crazy friend full of conspiracy theories and such. But right now it's like having a really smart friend. And so you can kind of go, well, what about this? And it'll tell you stuff. And you'll think, I don't know about that. And you can have little arguments. and uh, You know, it's great. Um, and what I tend to do, though, after I've spoken to Chat GPT is I will – jump to the internet, which again, I, I don't think is 
uh, you know, much of the internet remains written by people. Double check it there and then go even a further step back into the dusty room of books and pull out a book and have a look for further verification there. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's in terms of podcasting, what, what I've sort of learned is um, it is important to listen to other podcasts and to watch podcasts on YouTube, etc. I've been doing a lot more of that lately. And I've been noticing things like uh, everyone's really young and, and terrific. I was thinking, we're going to have to do something about me, Shannon, because I'm not young and terrific. And, and so I think it may be time to get some AI trickery in there to, um, you know, alter these chops into something slightly more fetching. Uh, and, you know, and also just looking at the way people talk um, and present themselves, particularly on the visual, the visual ones like, like, uh, like this one. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you probably, I would imagine if someone's watching this now, they'd go, well, it doesn't seem like you've learned anything. But I feel I feel that we are we are starting to learn uh, a bit more about visual presentation and uh, and and the importance of it. But I mean, when we started, we were thinking very much in just audio terms, weren't we? Yeah, we were. So you know, and what's that old saying? Got a great face for radio. I think that's how I was approaching it. Anyway, it's like I've got a great face for radio. Um, so, yeah, so, so looking at podcasts I think is really important and obviously in terms of being a writer, you know, reading books, uh, not necessarily the brand new Death of an Author, which apparently has been described as a like a very bad version of Dan Brown, which I don't even know what to do with that statement. But yes, so so you don't want to you don't want to read that book, but read the original, you know, Death of the Author essay. That's that's a good one. Um, but yeah, read books, read lots of books. I think for writers and podcasters, you've got to have influences. You've got to have good influences and you've got to sort of immerse yourself in high quality, uh, instances of what you're trying to produce yourself. So I think, I think that would be my number one thing I've learned this year. And I'm going to try and segue cause you said trying to produce this year, and I think aspiring writers, writers, podcasters get stuck on this a lot. And it's that habit that we have of being perfect, that perfectionism aspect that we have. And, you know, there's been, because I edit our podcast, um, actually, I'll quickly talk about the tools that I've been using. Uh, Premiere Pro by Adobe. Uh, it's $30 a month, but I love it. It's incredibly seamless to use, highly recommend. We use Riverside to record. And the reason why we use Riverside is because what happens is it is downloading all the data and the video onto everyone's computer, and then it will upload it after that. So you never lose any footage or audio, if, if, even if we have technical issues. And I can see you've caught yourself uh, technical issues there today, Gareth. Mm. <laughs> and then additionally, microphone where what you know what microphone we're using it's called blue yeah it's a blue yeti x i think um and yeah it's been it's been yeah. pretty good um but you know if we were going to be perfect we would get uh i don't think we'd use usb microphones at all i think we'd probably use xlrs running through a board 
And in my case, I could do that because, as you can see, I'm in the music room and also in the music room there's lots of microphones and uh, preamps and various other bits and pieces. But I wouldn't want to make you look bad, Shannon. I wouldn't want to be here with all my kit and my, my you know, vocal poppers and everything and just look, you know, a bit, a bit fancy. So it's better to, you know, if you can just plug in a, a Yeti and go, that's pretty amazing. Well, I think that leans into that lesson, right, of good is better than perfect. Yeah. Uh, good is just getting it out there, producing something rather than spending, I don't know how much a board would be or microphone you're talking about, but thousands of dollars. Essentially, all you need is, I think you get a $30 clip on microphone, plug it into your auxiliary in your laptop and you can go. And I think just working on the draft, trying to figure out your voice, what you want to do is always going to be better than I need to do. I need to have my uh, vocals right. I need to have my microphone right. I need to have the lighting right. Uh, if you go down that rabbit hole, just as in your writing, you're never going to get anything done. You're never going to get anything on the page. Just go out and do it because the likelihood is, and I don't really want to say this, but no one's watching you to begin with. No one's listening to you to begin with. And it's just over through time when you develop yourself and your voice, that people will start plugging in and they won't even know about all the old stuff. Don't let uh, the perfect get in the way of the good or the great. Just get out there and produce. Yeah, that's that's really good advice and it's very true with writing. I mean, that's one of the advantages of free writing is that it just gets you to put words on the page and that can be extremely liberating. Very good thing to do, free writing. It was actually uh, Peter Elbow. Peter Elbow, who's sort of the modern uh, pr proponent of, of free writing. So a little shout-out to Peter. I believe he's still alive. He wrote his book in 1973. Uh, what's the name of the book, Gareth? I don't know. But, look, it's a book by Peter Elbow, and it's about free writing. Uh, and check that one out because, yeah, uh, it's, it's a really good example. I think, you know, sometimes you would possibly say – that I do free writing as a podcaster. Um, Shannon, you know, is our editor. And uh, many an hour she's toiled to cut down what I've said and form it into cohesive sentences. It's been very, <laughs> I'm very grateful. I love it because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very grateful. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's very true. You, you want to get stuff down and then, you know, an editor – will come along and fix it, you know, potentially. Although, um, you know, that person could be you, but you don't want to have your editor hat on too early in the process. Uh, and we don't script this, do we? I mean, people may be shocked uh, to hear this, but none of this is really scripted. Um, we have a six-point guide uh, on our screens, and and that is it, man. We're just, yeah, we're winging it. Um yeah, is there much? I don't know if there's anything and more to say. And that's important to know. Oh, please. No, I think there is because when I am talking about um, don't let the perfect get in the way of producing something, if you are listening to other podcasts, uh, I think if you listen to Seth Rogen or Stuff You Should Know, This American Show, what you won't know is that they have full-time jobs as podcasters. They have a whole team around them. They have editors. They have people who write a script for them. Uh, and so 
I mean, it would be great to get to that level, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I want a professional job as a podcaster. Uh, but, you know, free balling it like we are, that's our style and we're going to continue doing that. Uh, so I suppose don't compare yourself is what I'm saying to those podcasts because you have to realize it's not a solo job like writing isn't. There's a whole team around them doing that for it to look so seamless. Yeah, speaking of seamless, I have another seamless segue now. Um, I agree with you. You know, you don't want it to be like a, a full-time job, do you? Uh, and that's um, where my second point comes in, very neatly, motivation. Uh, and I think, you know, in terms of this podcast, um, you know, we started it because we'd, we'd have great chats about writing. And I believe it was uh, your lovely partner, Luke, who said, why aren't you recording these? And, and so we started doing that. And that, I think that's been a very successful formula for us. Like, uh, you know, in, insofar as we've had success, um, you know, we, I, think, I think the success that we have had is that we have had some really good chats that have been recorded. Um, whether or not, you know, God, I look like I'm dead, don't I? So white. I have to fix the lighting. See, this is an example, folks, of what you have to do with a podcast and learning from your mistakes. Um, but, yeah, you know, we've had some really good conversations. Personally, when we went into the censorship space, um, I think we both felt uh, a degree of responsibility to be very clear about what we were saying and have very, you know, particularly definite and tight views on that subject. And I, I don't know about you, Shannon, but I didn't enjoy that week very much or those weeks. I've, you know, that felt like a job um, talking about the censorship to me. It wasn't as fun as, say, this conversation, which feels much more off the cuff. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. It was a very stressful week because, especially during those two weeks, because I think we recorded two sessions. I think we were sitting down for at least five hours. But before those five hours of talking and recording and trying to put it in a way that uh, was cohesive, we did a lot of research and we did a lot of talking to get our thoughts right, I suppose, how we wanted to talk about it. And so I suppose that general discussion that we normally have uh, when we're sitting outside in the sun, just having a good time, that happened all before those sessions. As you said, it was, at least for me, it was really important to say in such a way that because everyone gets really mad in this space that they couldn't attack you and something that you let slip because you hadn't formed your thoughts properly. So that was really stressful. But I don't know how much of that stress is because of the way we thought people were going to take it or how much stress we put on ourselves for those two, essentially three, actually, and I'll add them in so people can watch those podcasts because I'm still very happy about the content we covered in those. Yeah, and you should probably add a link to our first episode uh, just in terms of, you know, you were saying earlier, Shannon, people don't watch the early ones, don't worry about it. Well, I say no. I say let's get them watching the early ones uh, and and really seeing how much we've improved. And then maybe commenting and saying, you know, you're not as bad as you were back in episode one. I can see that now. Um, although God knows, man, you look like you're dead. <laughs> so pale. Um, they might be shocked because you'll be bearded. Oh, yeah, I know, right? I know. Still, I was thinking, you know, Movember's coming up 
uh, and I was thinking I'd grow a moustache for November to uh, maybe get get some that's people. Good idea. To, I'll try growing one too. Yeah, why not? Now is the time, and that's for uh, <laughs> cancer research, I believe. November should have probably checked that before getting online. These are one of the things you can learn. Yeah, male cancer. Yeah, oh yeah, no, definitely male cancer. I think it might be uh, prostate cancer specifically, but I'm not sure. But yeah, motivation. Motivation is important. Obviously, my motivation for doing Movember is mostly just to grow a moustache because I don't know what the cause is. But um, And this applies to writing. Uh, you know, I think um, writing, you know, writing on, um, on, what's the word? I want to say contract. That makes it sound like an assassin. Uh, you know, writing to a brief is a great thing, you know, particularly because usually if there's a brief, you're getting paid. Uh, which is lovely. But, you know, writing, and actually I can fold in AI here. People are freaking out about AI writing books. And it's like, well, that's the end of people writing books. And I'm absolutely flummoxed by this concept because, you know, an AI book might be very popular. I think it's, you know, probably not likely anytime soon. Uh, But that doesn't stop anyone from actually writing books as well. Uh, even if they believe that somehow AI books are going to be so perfect, so amazingly satisfying every single time that a human couldn't compete, um, one would imagine, I'm folding in more topics, that there could be a goodness to the, the, the human-made novel that might a perfect AI novel might not capture. Sometimes imperfect things are actually more appealing than perfect things. I mean, you know, there are unfinished albums like, um, well, I guess it's been finished now, but Smile by the Beach Boys. It had an allure because there were only parts of it that existed. The bits that were missing were part of its power. So, you know, I I think people need to remember this, that AI might write books, but you're also allowed to write books. Um, You know, they're not going to stop you. And motivation, you know, you should be writing because you love writing, not because you're worried about who's going to read you. Um, I think, yeah, when you're writing to a brief, that's a little bit different. But if you're writing for yourself, my opinion is the motivation should be the momentary, you know, in the moment, mindful thing of the joy of writing. And I think likewise with this podcast, we're always at our best when we're just having fun and, you know, shooting the shit. I was just trying to remember if we're allowed to swear. I still haven't learned that one. Shooting the shit, yes. We can. That's right. Um, although you can have some trouble on Apple, can't you? But, you know, shh, don't worry about that. Um, yeah, motivation. It should be pure, pure motivation, I think. Right to write, podcast to podcast. And how that relates to writing, I've just got a flicker of a thought a lot of people in the writing space talk about pantsers versus planners. Mm. Uh, the methodology you've just talked about sounds very pantsy by the seam of your pants. Luckily, you've got the planner in me who comes in and is like, okay, let's create a schedule because I don't know if I could be motivated as a writer if I don't have kind of a set schedule of when I'm going to write, when we're going to podcast, when I'm going to release the podcast, when I'm going to edit, when I'm going to do the show notes. So essentially, again, 
This is your life. You get to decide how you want to go about your podcast. But in terms of, um, and this might actually lead into your next topic, Gareth, if you want to create an audience of your podcast, I do recommend releasing content at regular intervals because your audience or your tribe starts to trust that. And they start looking forward to uh, a release date of your podcast. We have actually established our tribe and that's actually one of my points. Find your tribe, uh, whether that is with your writing or with podcasting, because we've had one of our good friends mention, hey, uh, you haven't released your podcast on Friday. What's happening? Are you guys okay? And so it's really good to kind of establish that pattern or that schedule. We originally started doing uh, podcasts every week. And now that we're developing other projects, such as a publishing house and something that we're soon going to be talking about later, uh, we've now moved it to every fortnight. Let's forget the sabbatical that I went on traveling around Australia, but it is good to keep consistency and to communicate and talk to your tribe because I think everyone is so hungry to find connection in the world, whether that is online or in person. And, you know, you're that connection for someone, so keep doing your stuff. Yeah, I'd agree with that, although I'd probably put a slightly different spin on it. Um, I, you know, connection is good. I mean, I like the connection. I, I like talking to people who uh, either want to talk about the podcast or, or don't. Um, and I think that's that, that that's the way I would frame it. Uh, the, you know, for me, yeah, I, I like, I mean, we, we've had some really good conversations with, um, people who've listened to the podcast, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call them listeners. I'm, I'm just not geared that way. I, uh, I won't use their first names either because it feels like, you know, not okay, but we've, there's been a number that, um, that, that, you know, I've got to talk to a bit, um, either on video chat because we've got, you know, people, we've got listeners around the world, uh, or, or otherwise. And, uh, I mean, it's really satisfying. I mean, it's it's lovely to meet new people, and it feels like uh, the conversations that we have, uh, Shannon, you and I, uh, it's like other people sort of show up at the table with a coffee and go, oh, this is what I'm thinking. And, uh, yeah, I really like that. I, I like that a lot. And I, I agree that, you know, if you, if you podcast irregularly, people don't know when you're going to show up at that cafe, I suppose, and they, uh, and, and they go off and do other things. Um, but I, but I kind of look at it perhaps naively as a sort of an expanding group of, of friends or friendly acquaintances. Uh, and yeah, that really appeals to me. Um, and again, you know, I, I know how naive this all sounds, babe in the woods. And so I'm bringing in my last topic, uh, perfectly self-promotion. It may not be a surprise, uh, well, it certainly won't be a surprise to you, Shannon, but it may not be a surprise to anyone. I'm not very good at self-promotion. Um, the extent of self-promotion that I've done on this podcast is I've done uh, most of the thumbnails for the YouTube videos, which has been a lot of work. Um, and you did such an amazing yeah, job. Yeah, you know, I, I, did, I did my best. Um, you know, and that was that was fun. I don't know whether that actually got us a single extra viewer or listener, but you know, it's, it's, it's always good to play with colors. Uh, putting them up on social media. Do you know what my dream is, Gareth? <laughs> yes. 
I actually want to produce um, limited edition T-shirts for the players for the text and people can vote maybe out of five which thumbnail they want put on a T-shirt because I think they are a masterpiece. Honestly, oh, every single one I look forward to. I must to. admit the book clubs one I think would make a great T-shirt where I'm sort of in place of Ian Fleming and you're the Queen of Hearts, I think, or Queen of Clubs. I can't remember. And I enjoyed the romance one mm, as that well. Is, that is a classic. That was incredibly hard. Um, it's very tricky getting a cartoon onto a photo and making it look at all like the two go together. But, yeah, really, really good fun. But, yeah, you know, when it came to posting them up on Instagram, I, I've, I've had to be sort of dragged kicking and screaming. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've got a Twitter account and I think I, I, I put out a tweet and then they changed the name and now I'm confused so I don't want to touch it. Uh, and so, yeah, self-promotion for me in a podcasting space is not great. And indeed, in a writing space, it's not great either. I am not a natural uh, self-promoter. Um, but you sort of have to be in this day and age, do you, really? I mean, as, as a writer, you know, publishers typically don't do much promotion. Um, so if you're not doing it, who will be? And, you know, I run a book club and fairly regularly we'll have someone write to us and say, there's this great new book written by me. Uh, do you guys want to buy copies and, you know, do it for your book club? Uh, and and obviously that's one way of doing it. I, I don't know what people do to promote their books. I, I think sometimes they stand outside bookshops and just sort of, uh, you know, with a microphone, they're like, get your books here, get it. Throw them get out the five windows. five books, get your sixth free. And, oh, yeah, that sort of thing. Cardboard cutouts or pretending to be a cardboard cutout in the window. Um, yeah, and, 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 you know, I, I think probably, uh, I, I, there are prom promotional teams that you can hire. Um, and I do tend to think that for me, if I really wanted to promote something I'd written, I would pay someone to do it properly. Uh, because I think the, the gap between, how it should be done and what I am currently capable of managing is too great and I never quite get across that line. So I think, yeah, I think I'd probably get someone, I'd pay someone who is very savvy or, or, you know, proper professional publicist to do some publicity and get that happening. Mm. We're not going to do that on this podcast. We're going to do it all ourselves, aren't we? Um, and what do you reckon, you know, what would you say, Shannon, would be the biggest thing that we could do coming into our second year in terms of self-promotion? What would you say we should be doing? Probably I'm also going to learn more about social media because obviously we have our Facebook group. Please come and join. We have Twitter. We also have Instagram. I have not got the courage yet to get onto TikTok. Uh, if anyone can convince me, I might, but it just seems so tedious. But self-promotion, I think over time people are going to find us and that's reality, right? Any big project that you're passionate about, they do estimate takes three to five years before anything happens. And that goes back to your motivation piece, Gareth, because if you're doing this for the money, 
for the audience, for anything like that, you're not going to be sticking around for that three to five years. If your motivation is pure, like with your writing, you are going to stick around and people are eventually going to find you. So that's the hope that I'm hanging on to. And, you know, it's been happening. Our subscriber count has been growing with the very little uh, self-promotion we have done and just keep producing good content. That's all it Yeah, takes. yeah, I think I, I think that's right. Um, it's interesting too, actually. We, we got a whole bunch more uh, subscribers um, when we took a few weeks off. What, what, is it, what are they saying to us? It's almost like, you know, it's like we'll pay you to um, just stop doing stuff. I always thought that would be the dream as a busker. You'd get up there and start busking and people would be like slipping your hundreds going, just go home, just, just go home now. And then you could just, yeah, go, go to the pub and <laughs> what's that? I think they call that um, failing upwards. Well, you know, people get, yeah, promoted out of harm's way. Uh, I think it's to do, I think it's to do with the algorithms, honestly, Gareth, because over a certain period of time, YouTube picks up, you know, that's another thing. If you produce content regularly and you're getting a somewhat stream of people coming to see it, that's when YouTube will push your content up so people will see it earlier than other people's. And um, I think while we were away, YouTube gave us a little bit of a lift up and showed our content to people. Uh, So sometimes it just takes time for your content to get picked up by all these social media Just as an aside, has anyone ever realized that there's this opportunity to have like a, maybe, uh, I don't know, something, something sort of based around Google called the Al Gore rhythm. And you'd get Al Gore, past presidential candidate and champion of nature. You get Al Gore on there doing some like bongos, the Al Gore rhythm. And I just feel like, I mean, it just it, it feels like a gimme, really, doesn't it? Like, why has no one done this? Al Gore loves celebrity appearances. He's always popping up on things. You could totally convince that guy to get behind some bongos and create the Al Gore rhythm. And I could imagine people just, you know, watching it. it maybe the Al Gore rhythm is like a 24-hour um, shopping network thing where he's promoting different things. Like the pleasure of the text. Boom, 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 boom. Am I am I mad? I don't know. It's very early um, in the morning still, so this could be a mad idea. But maybe. <laughs> yeah, you on board. I mean, talking about that. I mean, <laughs> as a writer and a podcaster, when you think about it. You are a creative, you are an editor, you are a marketer, you are a distributor, you are all these things when you decide to choose a career in writing and podcasting. So, you know, highly marketable on a resume if you ever decide to go back into the workforce, why would you? But anyway, definitely pick up a career as a writer, it's the best thing in the world and I think we've covered all our topics and Next fortnight, you're probably more on top of this than I am, Gareth, because the last fortnight we talked about traditional publishing versus self-publishing, and you wanted to talk about something opposite, as if we're doing a 180-degree flip. What are we talking yeah, about I, I, So fortnight? I came with um, up with the basic concept of self-suppression um, because I, I don't know what the antonym of, of publishing is. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, I suppose it could be... Uh, 
self-censoring, but that felt a bit too much like um, our, our censorship weeks. So I don't want to go back there. So uh, self-suppression, the, the idea that writers do produce things. They take Shannon's advice and they go, you know what, good is better than perfect. So they, they write something and it gets published and then they're like, oh, no, I don't like this at all. This is terrible. And then they go on a quest to make it go away. Uh, and there are quite a few instances of, of writers who have done this. They've either wanted their work destroyed before it got published or they've tried to destroy it after it's got published. It's very interesting, that drive in someone, you know, a creative, uh, to destroy what they've created. So that's going to be next fortnight's topic. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Um, it, it should be full of mayhem and flames and so forth. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that's one to look forward to, actually, on, on the pleasure of the text. Like and subscribe. Hit the something. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> flash, flash, like and subscribe. Amazing. And I'm so looking forward to next fortnight. And I'll see you guys all there on the pleasure of the text. Bye.